you are in hell. You are currently facing two imposing silhouettes standing above you. One of them is an elderly woman with a cane, but you're much more focused on the glittering sword dangling on the side of her hip. The other one does not have a sword. She does not have any weapons. In fact, her outfit is simple and plain, but she carries with herself a weight that rests in her trembling fists. You are sitting in front of Mauve and June, and they are livid. Just been opening and closing my mouth. Can you say that louder? I've just been opening and closing my mouth. I've just been sitting here. And in fact, Mauve has taken note of that. And every so often you see her say the June. June, maybe we should let her. And another thing that this girl went through that you don't remember. We're only on year five of her 16 year life. We're going to get through the whole thing so you know how much you screwed up. Uh, I know I screwed up, June. I just cannot hit her. Just one hit. One punch. June. June. I mean, if it's gonna make you feel better and maybe lower the volume one level, go ahead. Punch me in the face. I really, I need to get out all of this aggression. Just a little bit of catharsis. And Mauve just points out, now June, I understand that you think that's a good idea. That's a misnomer. That's not gonna make you feel better. Remember all those pillows you punched while we wait for, waited for Ellie? That just made you even madder. Ah! And she punches another pillow straight through, and you see it fall to the ground, <laughs> the feathers spewing out like a <laughs> fountain of blood as it falls down onto a pile of probably, you know, two dozen floral, elegant, uh, elegantly sewn pillows. So I'm a little, like, thrown off by the yelling at me part, but I am still impressed by that. Well, you're the one who wants to talk. Go ahead. is <laughs> <laughs> just uh, yelling and Mom's just like, listen, I don't know how much longer I can keep her like this. We just wanted to talk based on, well, you know, the incidents of the past hour or so. Because, you know, I brought a terrified, scared 16-year-old girl right back to June, and she popped right into our room and hasn't come out since. And for someone as awfully anxious as she is, June says that this is something unlike what she's ever seen before. What we're saying, Ellie, is that we need to follow up on that conversation you and I had while waiting for ourselves to die in Tommy Funbuck. Because unfortunately, since you did not die, you still have some responsibilities you have to handle. Great. Okay. Here's the thing. Clearly, I have done something very wrong. Okay, I, I'm acknowledging this. Ellie, do you know how many times I've walked home to see Mako has yet blown up another room filled with wonderful doilies that I got sent to me courtesy of Sue, who made them herself? And how many times he looked at me and said, uh, and she actually okay. does a fake, and she does a fake Mako voice. Well, I am apologizing, but I'm not sure what I'm apologizing for. Don't bullshit, Ellie. You know what is going on. You know what your problem is, and we have to fix it right now, or else. And another thing. Otherwise, I just I think she's gonna be like this for the rest of her life, which will be cut considerably short with how much stress she has right now. Mom, I'm gonna address you because I don't I don't know that she's processing right now. June is grumbling about year I believe 17, which is weird because she <laughs> has already said that Zoe is 16 years old. <laughs> I've been interrogated many times. 
I can tell you're trying to do the good cop, bad cop. Honestly, I just kind of slipped into it. I'll, yeah. I'll be honest. This wasn't really planned. Wait, no, I'm mad at you. <laughs> Wait a second, I'm mad. <laughs> well, if we're being open, I'm really good at deflection. Do you want me to show you again? You know what, Ellie Badge? I really don't, because, you know, the last couple of times you've been deflecting, you broke a young girl's spirits, and we're going to get back to that topic. Now, I'm going to repeat to you what I said last there, all right? I have not seen you be apologetic before, and yet you have seemed so apologetic in the past hour for everything. Now, it's okay not to be a mother. Like, June has rightfully ah, recognized that she might not be the best fit to care for someone as delicate as young Zoe. But the thing is, you haven't been deciding, Ellie. You've been stuck in this weird middle ground where you've been doing your best to protect her physically, yet doing everything you can to destroy her emotional insides. And you need to decide what you are going to do. I have been doing my best. Have you really now? I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. I keep her from getting hurt, and she doesn't get attached. You're scolding me, but I can't do better. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Ellie, everyone, everyone, even Tommy Funbuck, can do better. It's about whether or not you choose to do better. I've seen you be more than just a bodyguard to an awful lot of folk, and yet somehow now you're choosing not to. Now, are you going to admit what is going on or not. Oh, what if I don't know completely? Then we're going to get to know each other real well as we figure it out. June, could you get me another one of those uh, wonderful drinks you made earlier? It's going to be it's going to be a few minutes. And now we're going to cut into the back room of the RV. Because when you first entered the RV, Ellie was very clearly detained at the entrance. Uh, but the rest of you uh, hop <laughs> Misha, Shock, and then it turns out Zoe and Everett were shuffled into the back room, which Zoe has made into her own. Intricate model airships line the walls and bottles, held together by pungent glue, which is the ninth world equivalent of glue, and bookended by piles of young adult novels, which Everett is currently perusing through with poorly faked disdain. <laughs> in the center of the room, a shoddy skeleton on a stand vibrates in response to the beating of a rising revolution in the streets outside. It is half an hour before the Tenth World exhibit begins. As you're sitting there, what 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 are you doing? What have you been up to? Lowell, Lowell is visible to you, Shock, and he's actually looking. He is very on edge about this whole revolution thing, and he he's mentioned a few times. He's like, "Listen, Shock. I mean, I I get the admiration for what you're saying, but I'm a, I I really think we should get out of here. It is not safe here. I think it is time to abort mission. Uh, I need to make sure you guys, you know, stay stay safe. And this is." The opposite of that. Shock is just going to, like, smile softly and say, Well, this is pretty much normal for us now. You know, I <laughs> I, I can't tell if that's comforting or I'm just hyperventilating more. How can I hyperventilate? I don't understand how and yet I'm doing it. We'll have time to figure all of that out later. Uh, first, we've got to go save Cubo. Yeah, so what have you been up to? Have you, uh, have you guys been perusing your notes, or... You said they were model airships all around the room? Uh, yes, so Zoe has clearly two big hobbies. One of them is reading young adult novels. There are paste-it notes and, uh, bookmarks all over the place, and there are also model airships, which, if you had asked her, did you ask her about them at any point? That was what I was gonna do. I was, Hopper's admiring all the model airships, and he's gonna say, did you make all these yourself, Zoe? Zoe is gonna look up. She's, uh, been sitting, kind of, like, curled up on her bed, and she's like, yeah, 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I made, I made those. I really like airships. It's just so open and there's not, uh, there's not a lot of other stuff there in the air. And it also, it lets me, um, and she kind of like fidgets, uh, with her hair a little bit. She's like, it lets me use, use my hair in, in a way where I know nobody's gonna, gonna do anything, anything bad because I'm safe here in my room. And that, that's how I can get it. So th that's how I can make them look so nice. At least I think they look nice. And, and June says, well, June says they, they look like airships, which I mean, that's, that's my goal. So I'd say that's pretty nice. I think they look great. You said you use your hair to make them? Uh, yeah. No, they're, um, they're really, they're really hard and, and it's hard to get the pieces in the bottle. So I, I just, it's easier to use my hair for it because my fingers don't, you know, feel that well. Have you ever been on an airship? Um, no, but, uh, and she runs and kind of barrels into Everett a little bit <laughs> and pulls the book from his hand and pulls like five others. But she's like, but I've read a lot about them. And, and, you know, reading is the first step to being there. Cause you can like imagine that you're there, but even when it's an exciting adventure, you're still safe at home. So, um, if you wanted to learn more about airships and she pulls about like probably a dozen uh, young adult novels and then like five instructional guides on them and just throws them in your arms like this is what what, what I re would recommend to be like you know the first week of reading uh, and then I got a few more for the other ones. Hopper will like look at, the, at just the pile of books he has and he's like well I don't want to take I don't think we're going to be here for very much longer I don't want to take these because they're really important to you but I think this hobby is really cool well no I don't mind like I've read them a lot so I want I want someone else who's interested to read them if they would be interested okay Hopper will like sit down in an open chair and start like leafing through he's into nerdy kids who have a lot of books yeah he likes this wonder how yeah, I wonder why and one of them catches your attention and it's uh, Captain Flyhook historical adventurer of the cloud crystal sky fields and it is a dry boring book about the journeys of this relatively tame merchant who flew through the skies Hopper finds it very interesting alright so Hopper's reading that book uh, Shock is, is talking talked a little bit to Lowell uh, but Shock and Beach though what have you been up to for the past time Zoe's been on her bed and Everett's been making a point to read the books and to avoid eye contact with Misha because he hasn't really seen Misha since the incident in Charmande oh. with the gears. <laughs> See, Misha is oblivious to things, so they really haven't noticed that. Um. <laughs> I think that as soon as they like got back together, we had we had our like brief reunion like at the end of last session. But Shock is going to like every now and then glance over at Misha to like make sure they're okay and still there. Maybe maybe shoot out like a telepathic comment every now and then like uh you going to be okay you you ready for this uh, our biggest adventure yet <laughs> uh Misha is always going to kind of shortly reply with certainly but they are going to sound a little bit more blunt than they usually sound like they are distracted by other things and they they haven't they, they have sometimes noticed that the shock is glancing at them but they have been like not as like attentive to things as they usually are but but they also occasionally glance at, at shock because they are still a tiny bit worried about the seasons of love disease but not as often uh just they, they have just done it a couple of times uh, I think now would be a good time to take care of some of our house cleaning things because we've got a fucking heist to do in 30 minutes. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Hopper will be like leafing through the book and then after a few minutes, he will suddenly be like, oh, the 10th world exhibit starts in what, 25 minutes now? 
We should start figuring out what we're going to do. Chalk will just sort of like look down on the floor and be like, we failed though. We didn't figure out how the Jagged Dream was going to try to steal Kubo. We don't even know how to get in there. No, but, and then Hopper will pull everything out and like lay it across the floor. We have some starting points. Misha and I found these blueprints. uh, And then that guy that we fought that one time, Fancy Tom, he was on the boat with all the hats. He showed up. He is working for the Jagged Dream, I guess. He had these simplified blueprints and a checklist. And oh yeah, and then he'll remember the atlas he got from Ashen. uh, And he'll open that to see what's inside the atlas. Another thing that I I forgot to mention that Misha also has been doing or did for a bit is look through the notebooks that uh, they took from Mac just to like the diary that it, that they been writing just to see what exactly they had they were writing about. Yes, yeah, so we've got a lot of clues to go through, so I'm going to start talking about them, which means future Kyle, cue that elevator music. <laughs> so we went around and we saw a bunch of stuff. I'm going to go over uh, some of the evidence we have in front of us. And there are other things we saw, so if you've been keeping track at home, don't worry, I've been keeping track of like the ev- clues you've got up. I just want to do a simplified version so we don't spend 20 minutes talking about evidence. So, the atlas that you took up. It's an atlas of important historical events in the Steadfast. So there's one for Charmande, there's one for Key, uh, there are some that are like uh, a compilation of like small towns like Fasten and Rhubarb, like there's a map of like all the small towns of Navarine. But when you open it, a note slides out, uh, signed by Lorraine. And that note reads, My shattered dream. I am not quite sure why I was requested to grab this book. People tend to be so secretive about the strangest of things, but I can be assured that you will find it very enjoyable. But, in case this book doesn't give you what you need, I've also left a pair of outfits at the coat check-in. Just go to box 2S and enter code BTC, and you will have exactly what you need. Uh, to get into the exhibit, I'll explain this in more detail, but when you get there, to the coat check that they usually have at the entrance to these things, uh, there's a box that already has stuff in it, and you can recover things from it if you give them the code BTC. The next things are from Mac's notebook. And there is a lot of rambling. <laughs> Mac really liked to hear themselves talk. You hear, you know, the last bastion of the law, the last virtue of the law, the last paragon of the law, the last paladin of the law. All of them are cycled out. It looks like it took them a while to land on last bastion. Uh, and somehow the smoking sound effects entered in as well. And the smoking takes, they punctuate so frequently that if I did it in character, it would fucking take five minutes. So the long and short of it is that Mac has been following you, and they've been doing this outside of the orders of the boss, which is what Mac calls Lauren. Boss. Looks like the boss, uh, once Matt got you, the boss really didn't have anything for them to do. Lorraine didn't really want, have any tasks for them, and Lorraine actually made a point, hey, don't go doing investigating, and you can feel the wink in that, because she knows how Mac works. Uh, and Mac very much took the bait and uh, was operating outside of Lorraine's direct instructions as they followed you. They saw you sign for the hotel rooms, they saw you go into each of the two hotel rooms. Uh, they didn't see what you got in it, they always, like, you went into room 157, they went in afterwards, saw it. You went into room 164, they went in afterwards, saw everything that was left over. Uh, they saw you fight with the Jagged Dream and take the packet containing the hopscotch pearl. And Mac noted that after the fight, Jagged Dream members kept referring to Hop's blueprints. 
but Matt couldn't get any more information from them as the Jagged Dream members quickly ran to purchase the Pie Pods they were really excited about getting. What you've learned is Mac is aware that you have blueprints of the exhibit and auction, and they assume ill intention. Okay. And after, you know, Misha stole all their notebooks, they definitely assume ill intention now. Misha straight up mugged them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they assumed ill intention before that. <laughs> So the blueprint is a blueprint of the exhibit and auction. I'm actually, I, I'm really proud of these blueprints, so I'm going to put them online. There's a link in the episode description, uh, description to this image. They're real good. But the long and short of it is there are three floors in the exhibit and auction. So the exhibit and auction is taking place on the top of Fun Bucks Fun House and Hotel, and that's that big queen's chess piece in the center of the city. The main floor contains this large exhibit hall, and then to the right of it is the auction house. And it looks like for the first hour, the exhibit is going to be open, and then after an hour, all that's going to be taken down, and the auction is going to start. Uh, you start on the main floor, which has the exhibit and the auction rooms. You can go down stairs to a ballroom, uh, and next to the ballroom is an elevator that you can take up to get to Cubo. And the one stickler is that between that elevator and Cubo is a hallway. Next to the hallway between the elevator and Cubo's room, complicated technical jargon is written down. With a proper int roll, one may be able to decipher what is written down. Without a roll, all one can determine is that this hallway includes three very advanced, very lethal precautions to ensure only those with access can reach Cubo. So Ari, in our kind of pre-prep for this, because we spent a few hours talking about this, Ari spent three levels of effort, rolled a six, but is trained in deciphering Numenera, and because of that, was able to understand what this hallway was. So the three precautions are, one, there's a quiz on Tommy Funbuck's favorite things. It is multiple choice. Two, there are waves that throw metallic components haywire, so like kind of magnetic, a magnetic field. And then three, there is a data sphere dampener. And the last thing is that Ari has been holding on to, since a few episodes ago, uh, she had one last question that Misha could ask. And from that, as you're looking through this, uh, Misha, a set of blueprints that you hadn't seen earlier kind of slide out from their, uh, the notebook. And inside of these, you see Argent, and you see what it does. So Argent consists of three baseball-base-sized platforms that are used to make a flat plane. And from this plane, items from the past and the future can be pulled into the present. So like if maybe say there was a lamp in a room and it was removed yesterday, you could place these platforms in that room, activate Argent, and pull out that lamp that used to be in that space. In addition to these platforms, there is a large tower reminiscent of the dot wave that is used to power it because this uses an immense amount of energy. So, uh, Kyle, you can stop that probably three times looped version of the hotel theme. That's everything we've got. That's all the important evidence. And begin scene. All right. Hop spreads everything out a little bit more. He puts the letter from Lorraine to the side. He doesn't like it. And then says, well, he opens his mouth to say something. And then before he says anything, he grabs the walkie-talkie that's attached to the pin. And then uh, he's going to disconnect the walkie-talkie from the pin. Lorraine hacked this somehow, and she's been listening in on what we do. She's called me a couple of times. So did regular Bob. That was weird. We can't have this on while we're making our plans. Although I wonder if she hacked it. I wonder if we could hack it so that we could listen to her. I mean, that could be helpful. She's probably behind all this anyway, or something. Hop, you look down into this mess of really thin, really fragile metal metallic components, and you realize that even if you could get in there, 
none like all of your fingers just a human finger would break it instantly like you're impressed that mako made this in the first place and you have no idea how because even if like shocker misha tried to handle it even if they rolled a 20 they'd probably break it okay so he's holding up the pin and if he's holding it up in the camera view is him looking at the pin suddenly the camera focus changes to the model airships in the background (laughs) (laughs) and he goes huh so, Zoe, you said you made those airships yourself using your hair, right? Yeah, uh, you can actually see there's a little, and she points to, and there's there's a little strand there that that hurt for about a week. But I think the airship was worth it. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I hate to ask this, but could you take a look and do, do you think you would be able to hack into this pin? Oh, yeah, no, I could totally. Oh, no. Um, And you see her, like, she's really excited. She really wants to help. And you see her mood just damp. And she's like, I, no, I shouldn't do that. I, I, I keep messing things up. Ellie, I'm just going to be honest here. You're really messing everything up. And I, I know! I, I know you know that, Ellie. Does she really know that, though? Because I can, I can let her know really where. June? June? I know you know that, Ellie. Here's the thing. You keep telling us that you're really bad at protecting people and caring for them. And she's absolutely right, June. Shut up, June. You are no longer part of this lecture. The knuckles keep cracking. You mm. can take me out back and punch me later. We're kind of in a hurry. Lecture me, Ma. Gladly. No, she's not going to fucking listen to you. <laughs> now my mind is blown. Will she listen to you? Will she want you to <laughs> yeah. Listen, Allie, I've, after all my time with Everett, I've gotten pretty good at seeing through bullshit and seeing through folks who... Try to act a lot bigger and badder than they are. And here's the thing, Ellie Badge. You keep acting like you can't communicate well with people. That you are so distant that you don't understand how people work. And, well, that's just a bunch of bullshit. I've seen you, alright? I saw you in fasting with that baby. And I've seen you with these children. And I'm I'm including Mr. Hopperscotch in there. He has a lot to work on. I've seen you work with those children. I've seen you give them care. I've seen you give them support. I've seen you be exactly the kind of person you need to be for Zoe. What happened, Ellie? Why is there such a hang-up when you get the word daughter involved here? Mav, why don't you have kids? Just happens. i found ways around it. I've got kids, not of my blood, but they're still mine. I made my peace with not having a kid. I spent so long coming to accept it that how do I deal with the fact that I could have had it all along? I may not have known she was there, but I left her after spending so long wanting her with Carl. Here's the thing, Ellie Badge. It's easy to get caught up in the losses that we had in our past and the things that could be, but what happened is what happened. And the worst thing we can do is let what happened control what will happen. That girl has so many years left ahead of her. And I'm pretty sure the moment the Grim Reaper comes knocking, you're gonna punch his lights out. I'm, in fact, kind of counting on it. No offense, I think he might come to you before me, and I'm just, you know, hoping you can uh, put in a good good couple punches I for gotcha. me. I gotcha. So you've lost 16 years, but you've got so many more than 16 left. 
Well, not if she follows me around. Ellie, this is a girl. Have you listened to June's story? She's only on year six. This girl has made it through the beyond. She's made it through the roughest parts of the Steadfast. And she survived Ruletia on her own. She's gonna be fine, whatever you throw at her. The only thing that matters right now is whether or not you want to have a daughter. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm pretty sure I know whether or not she wants a mother. Well, just because I want her and she wants me doesn't mean... You're right. Do you know what? <laughs> You're right. I can think of a million excuses in my head right now to lob back at you. But the conversation is just going to go on. And she's clearly my kid if she keeps coming back. Despite the fact that I keep telling her to leave. I want Zoe to be my daughter. I, I want her to be in my life. Well, then that's all that matters. Remember, and she stands up and kind of leans on her cane a little bit. And she says, As I always say, Ellie Badge, if you try to plan everything out, then nothing's going to go right. But if you try to plan nothing out, and somewhere miles and miles away, you can hear Je uh, Jesse piping, then nothing can go wrong! <laughs> so this may not be the time to have this conversation, Mob, but I think you might want to just keep thinking about that <laughs> motto and maybe just, like, give it a couple more passes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Quest Friends, Questionable Measures, part 12. I am Kyle, your GM, and I am uh, trying as hard as I can to kind of uh, contain my nerves while presenting this. If you're listening to this episode, the day it comes out, you are listening the day I am flying back from PodCon, but I am recording this episode about almost exactly 12 hours from when I board the plane to go to my first convention. And just, so that would be the reason why we didn't have a previously on at the very beginning, because I just have a lot to do and a lot of nerves, and I just really need to get this episode done and out. But before I can do that, I need to give you an announcement, a little bit of a, a call to action. Hopefully, while I was out on my way to PodCon, kind of on the way there, on the way back, I would have been working on planning chapter four of Quest Friends, our next chapter. And while doing that, I would have used the trans language primer as a reference. The trans language primer, which you can find on www.translanguageprimer.org. Um, the primer is an intersectional resource that is kind of a database of terminology related to gender, related to sexuality. It's a resource to kind of see the words that you might have heard, but also some words that you might want to use in the future. Things that might describe uh, things or experiences that, that you didn't know had terms for them before. For example, you may have heard the term asexual, but did you know that the term for someone who is not asexual is allosexual? So it's a lot of stuff like that. The folks behind this hire sensitivity readers. They are currently working on a Spanish translation. This is a genuine, easy to use resource. There is, if you have a question on a word or, or you kind of want more information, the translanguage primer is a great way to start. 
So again, that is www.translanguageprimer.org. Uh, check it out. It's really cool. But that's really all the announcements I got for you. Besides that, our next episode will release on Monday, February 4th. I will see you then. Badge doesn't always like to admit this, but she occasionally does like to get a little bit dramatic. And she's had a long, trying, uncomfortably personal conversation, and she's going to allow herself to have a dramatic moment. And so she flings open the door. <laughs> How does everyone respond? <laughs> to the story, just like, boom. Shot jumps. He is very startled. Same. Yeah. Hopper also jumps. He hops, if you will. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself. Everett's been around Jesse for a while. Everett doesn't move. <laughs> uh, and so he jumps, looks at you, and then just slinks further into her hoodie. Okay, I'm gonna go, like, flop down next to her on the bed. So, Zoe, do you know how to throw a punch? Um, no, are, did, oh no, did I upset people? Are people gonna fight us? I don't, I'm sorry, I don't think I can help with fighting people. You don't have to, but if you want... I will teach you. Really? Wait, no, why? Oh no, is this the one I, when I screw up again? It's because you haven't been screwing up. I have. Her hood lightly comes down a little bit and she looks up at you and she's like, You mean I didn't, I didn't screw up even though, I mean, I got us caught and stuff? No, you didn't screw up. I have to tell you though, I'm gonna try to be a lot more honest with you, Zoe. And so you need to know that the woman who put that beetle in your hair, I will be attempting to beat her to death. I mean, that's not very nice of her, though. Can we just, like, can can we just, like... We'll put her in jail. <laughs> okay, then. that would be yeah. good. Okay, and, oh. and maybe we can get her into a reform program so that she can learn that what she did was wrong and use her beetles for good. That's a really good idea. I've heard sometimes jails just make people... They just, like, hold people, and then they want to get them back in, and they don't actually help people. So I think a reform program would be really good. Yeah, you know, we should really look to reduce recidivism, and... We don't like prisons, is what we're saying. <laughs> we can go further into this, <laughs> Like, Kyle. this can be the whole episode, is let's talk about prisons. I was trying to keep it short. <laughs> Weren't we doing a heist? <laughs> so anyways, um... So his hair kind of twitches a little bit, and she says, "So, so, so is is it okay if I help?" Yeah. I would like that. You see her hair start to untangle itself from the bow, and eventually this just mass, probably of thin blue strands as big as her body, start to like rise around and move around the space, and they start going over and they uh, attack, they grab onto the communicator and the pin hop, and they start to like pull themselves into their own mass. Uh, and Zoe is looking with excitement over this machine, and she starts to move one of her hairs down, and she stops, and she says, you know what, I, I, I'm not sure if I can do it. I, 
Zoe, you can do it. Mom, can you can you grab? And she points to a book on the shelf. Yeah, I, I, I grab it. Uh, you grab a book. Uh, it's a young adult novel titled. What is it titled? What is it titled? <laughs> it is titled. Midnight. You grab a book called Midnight. She's like, don't worry, it's a misnomer. It's really about making daytime out of the dark times. Anyways, um, there's a passage in there that really helps me when I'm, when I, it helps motivate me. Could you just read that a little bit? And you look and you see a bookmark. And if you open it up, you can see about a paragraph long passage that I would like you to read right now. Just make it up? Well, no, you're going to read it. You're going to read the passage. Ellie's not going to make things up. I'm assuming Ellie's no, trying to do her best, so Ellie's going to read the Decker, passage. you know what I mean. Oh, Emily Strawn? No, Emily Strawn's going to make it up. And then the beautiful young huntress said, We will bring light to the dark forest through our kiss of true love. But wait, the handsome warrior <laughs> said in reply. Are you sure we should unleash such a powerful force point yet? Yes, I do believe we should, the huntress said. <laughs> I don't know. I love you, but what if it's too powerful? The plants can only take so much sunlight before <laughs> they start drying up. <laughs> And the huntress says, do you think that perhaps because of the power level of our true love's kiss, there will also be an adequate amount of rain to balance out the light differences? <laughs> the warrior replied. Done. And as you finish that line, the hair uh, slips back into the nice little bow shape. And she hands the thing to Hop. Uh, and as she hands it to Hop, and you can see Hop, there's a little impromptu on-off switch. Okay. She turns over to Ellie and says, thanks, that was not the passage I was thinking of, but <laughs> it was, you still, read, you still read it really good. And so, <laughs> Hop, you know how the communicator, and you can turn it one of three ways, either, uh, four ways. No one can hear anyone, you can hear her, she can hear you, or it goes both ways. I just want to hear her. Okay. It crackles to life, and you can hear Lorraine humming to herself. Disappointing. <sighs> I certainly hope you don't disappoint me this time, Hopper Scotch. I just don't know if I can handle something like Cartesian again. How can I have excitement when my most exciting source is all but gone? But no, I, I know. I know he will come. He will try to steal Cubo. And hopefully he'll be able to do it successfully. I just don't want to have to find another best friend. And and you hear a door open, and you hear someone say, Um, uh, Miss Styles, do you need anything? Oh no, I'm just sitting here talking to myself while prepping for the performance. I don't need anything you can give me. 
And then she just goes back to humming to herself and it sounds like she is no longer conveniently monologuing. <laughs> but you got a couple of pieces of information from that. A couple. Yeah, we did. We got a couple. All right. Hopper, whose face is just a little bit red. Uh, and when he blushes, he also blushes in his ears. So he started blushing a little bit and then he'll turn it off and he'll go. Turn off the, I'm assuming you mean the thing, not his blushing, right? The thing. He can't turn that off. <laughs> so he'll turn off the thing that he can turn off, which is the listening pin. Hey, Hop. What's up with the cute little pink ears? Uh, can, can Misha notice that? Yes, everyone notice. It's very obvious. Everett notices and he notices nothing. Okay. Uh, Misha would look at, at, at Hopper and would look at his sisters from shock. And then they will be like, oh, I, I, I wonder if, if Seasons of Love is contagious. <laughs> <laughs> Are they saying that out loud? Uh, or are they just thinking it? Misha! Misha's just thinking it at the moment. Okay. Uh, in response No, actually, no. <laughs> they are going to say it out loud. I was going to say, I don't think Misha can think in their brain. They just yeah, kind of blurt out anything. That's true. They, they, are, they are, like, saying it to themselves, but they're going to say it loud enough that, like, it will be heard. Good thing you turned that pin off. Ha <laughs> ha. Good in response. <laughs> To these two comments, Hopper will just pull his hat down a little bit farther so you can't see at least his ears. And then he'll go, okay, it's what I thought, which is Lorraine is bored. That's all there is to it. She's just bored. So listen, she doesn't, she doesn't care if we get Cuba or not. She cares if it's fun for her to stop us. If we try to distract her while we take Cubo, now that she knows we're taking Cubo, she'll know anything is an obvious distraction. So we have to distract her with something that she wants to deal with more than Cubo. Something that is more interesting to her. So are you going to take your shirt off? Hopper just turns to Ellie and goes, I'll handle Lorraine. Everett's going to like scoff from the corner and he's going to say... <sighs> I mean, how are you even going to get in? It's not, they just let in like the ritziest, snobbiest folks. Like they don't even take tickets. They just look and see who's cool enough. Not that I tried to get in or anything. Wait, really? Do they have like bouncers? <sighs> oh, well, that complicates the very first part of the plan. Well, I, I, I do believe an Everett looks cool enough to enter this bouncer event. <sighs> I tried, but they said black was out or something like that. I don't even know. How could a color be out? It's here. <laughs> so I'm going to make this a really quick lecture. I won't explain everything, Misha, so it may be confusing to you. You just have to know, Everett is not cool. <laughs> oh, no. Everett's heart broke three times that day. <laughs> it shrunk like the Grinches. Not the kind of cool that they want in Rouletteia. Oh, and that's not cool at all, Zoe pipes in, and she kind of, like, looks over at Everett. <laughs> uh, didn't you buy, like, a really fancy set of cloves, Hopper Scotch? And didn't Lorraine say that she had cloves waiting for us up at the coat check? Yeah. As long as they're fancy clothes, not the shirt that's supposed to get Misha beaten up here. M Misha's gonna point to their outfit and say, I do believe this might be what humans might consider cool as well, so I perhaps could use this clothes to be cool and get in. But Ellie Badge and I were still sort of fugitives from that time we were nearly shot to death inside Trash Tank. You mean like an hour ago? Yes, exactly. Did anything ever come with me trying to start an uprising? 
You hear the revel- you hear the people sing outside. <laughs> the camera just pans to the window and there's like a march going on outside. People are like holding up signs and torches. You know, Hopper says, I bet you're heroes to a lot of people. You might have some newfound friends. You think they'd help us sneak in? I think so. And- um, Mr. Hopper looks really good, but Misha, I have something that I think would look really good with your outfit. Misha's going to look excitedly at, at Zoe. Oh, I, I would like to, to see this. Yeah, I found it. It's one of the things that I gave Steven, but I don't, I don't think he uses it. So she walks over to this skeleton that's just been in the center. The skeleton, is it made out of bone? And is the bone human or something other? We don't know. But she slips in a little coin on a string and opens it up. Steven, Steven, can you open up your gifts? Steven, Steven, I really like your face. <laughs> And that's the Steven Steven song. And the thing rattles, and then with a horrifying creak, the mouth opens up, and she's like, Aah! Aah! Misha's fascinated by this. <laughs> it's so full of love! And then the skeleton just like falls open on all sides. And inside of it, you see a bunch of things. So at the beginning of this, uh, each of you got a couple of things. So all of you got one experience point. And the reason you're getting that is because every heist has complications, which are what I'm going to call GM intrusions. So instead of just fucking throwing XP at you during this heist, I'm, I'm kind of front paying you. So you all get one XP now. And then during this heist, I'm just throwing in complications. The second thing is that all of you rolled to get a cipher during our prep. So Emily rolled a one and she gets a small tree branch that takes root and spreads itself inside the first thing the roots touch. Ari gets a small paperclip that when squeezed says, what can I help you with? And if Misha doesn't ask for help with anything, after a few moments of silence, the paperclip will say, please ask again when you have something I can assist with. Uh, Hallie rolled a seven and got a frame with white paper that ripples when the entire frame is moved. There's a crayon on one side and a note that says, only touch paper with crayon when ready. Eight, Tom rolled an eight and he got a helmet that when turned on, shakes fabric on its top to generate a massive amount of static electricity. Razors buzz on the inside. And then there's the last thing. Oh boy, is there the last thing. Ari spent three experience to get this item. Three experience is going to make it a fashion statement. This is going to gain Misha a long-term notoriety or title. My current idea is Archduke of Swaggerton, <laughs> but I think Ari has something different in mind. I, I, I like it. I, I want it to be of Maladonia, but Swaggerton is fine too. <laughs> so from Maladonia. Swaggerton of Maladonia. Swagger, there we go. Archduke of Swaggerton from Maladonia. Swaggerdonia. Uh, the practical effects is that every charm role that Misha does on someone who is either a tourist or part of the elite ruling class of Rulettia, that Misha does not know. Any interaction role is two steps easier. And that's two steps easier than normal. So Misha usually has an inability for talking to folks. No, it's really, it's three steps easier. But like, Ari has to roll six less in order to succeed. So it's a pretty good benefit. But, but, but... Are you gonna talk about the item that gives me that those those properties? Because it's not just yes. So 
I'm looking at an item right here. Uh, it is a picture Ari sent me. I did not write down a description. I'm going to try to describe it. <laughs> Imagine you took a musketeer and you merged it with a masquerade. So you've got the typical fancy masquerade uh, mask, but this bleeds into this. Uh, is it going to be purple and gold like it is here? I do want it to be purple and gold. All right. It's, so it's going to be gold like mask, but then it's a flowery purple hat that like is wide brand and extends and it doesn't have one feather it has i don't know how many fucking feathers it has like a, a like a rim of feathers around <laughs> it and then like it goes down on one side and you can see gold and purple flowers that like meld into the side of the mask it's like phantom of the opera <laughs> but 10 times more like bourgeoisie <laughs> and it's a full mask too it is incredible it is it is Rulettia distilled into a mask. <laughs> the Dark Souls of headwear. I would wear that. <laughs> so Misha, you see this and, and Zoe picks it up and she's like, oh yeah, no, I, I think this would be good. And, and what is your response to seeing the 3XP mask? Misha loves it. They have rarely smiled as widely as they have in here. Like I think, I think they really haven't done it. Like the last time, last time they did it, they got their bat, and they are just like smiling widely and looking first at at Zoe and then at the rest of the party and be like, I I, I do believe this is what humans might consider cool, correct? And then they are they're gonna they're gonna put it on and. <laughs> <laughs> For reference, Ari has a shitty little paper masquerade mask that she got from the kids section of a museum. I stole it from a children. Well, I didn't steal it. That child, a child left it behind, and it was nowhere to be around. So I just took it, and then she glued a stick on the bottom of it. That is just a marker, and that's my mask. Oh my god. Um, shock upon seeing this and seeing Misha's reaction is just beaming a little bit. This, I, I think it looks very cool, Misha Jarvis. Misha is going to, to at that, their smile is going to widen as, as at shock saying that. If they, again, if they could blush, they probably would have done it at that comment. <laughs> but then um, they are going to look at Hop and say, this is an excellent way to get into the party. You see, my face is covered by this wonderful artifact. So I will not be recognized, even though, you know, they are like taller than usual. They have the hair. Hair. Like it's not like they wouldn't be recognized. I have the. Is Misha still gonna be wearing the Manny Mantle T-shirt during this? Somebody should tell Misha to not do it because otherwise they're going to wear the exact same thing they're wearing with the mask. Hop was just about to respond with that. Before Hop can do that, Everett turns over and is like, "It looks okay. Actually, no, it looks bad on its own, but it looks very cool when put together with that Manny Mantle T-shirt. It's like clashing in all the." Right ways. Misha is going to look at, at Everett and is going to say, well, in other circumstances, I would believe you an individual, but I have heard conflicting comments of you not being part of the cool. So I am not entirely sure if this means that the shirt is cool or not. And they're going to turn to Hopper and say, Hopper, and oh, they're going to say, uh, Scotch Simon, I believe you might be part of the cool. Do you consider this shirt? <laughs> 
Because of their status as fugitives, so uh, you would be the one that knows the most about the cool status of clothing in this city. Um, at Hopper, you are part of the cool. Hopper kind of almost like looked to his side, like, is she talking to me, Hopper, or is there like a second Hopper in this room? <laughs> they, when they said that. And then he'll go, well, it's true, I'm not a fugitive, so I've got that going for me. Uh... I do think that your mask is going to make a statement. I think the statement would be better if you weren't wearing the shirt and the crop top. Uh, I think you'll blend in, though, with a lot of these ritzy, wealthy, stuffy people. Misha is going to look apologetically at Everett and say, I do apologize, an individual, but I think I will follow Scotch Simon's advice at the moment. <sighs> Fine. Shock is just going to say, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but don't we have like t five or ten minutes before the exhibit starts? And we still don't know what we're doing. This is certainly true. Ah. <laughs> oh, also, also, uh, Misha is going to say, oh, I do believe I have something that has worked in the past with me looking as part of a elite group of individuals. And then they're going to take their, their hat that they use for Queen Armalu and put it on top of their head. Holy shit. On top of the mask hat? I have, yeah, like a mask with a hat and an actual hat. Holy <laughs> shit. Hopper just smiles and is like, you look perfect. All right, so Shock, Shock is going to look at the blueprints and say, so like, it looks like there are a couple of ways that we could make it up into Cubo's room. There's the elevator, but it looks like that's guarded and uh, there are a lot of traps that way. I'm, I'm just, I don't know. It feels like that if Hopperscotch is dealing with Lorraine while the rest of us try to get Cubo, that requires a lot of social skills and great timing and we are not good at those things. What are you talking about? I'm great at social skills and timing. There's also that weird, that weird looking window in the, in the floor of Kibo's room. If we could somehow climb up the auction hall with no one noticing, we could we could uh, enter from beneath and get Kibo out that way. I do believe I could provide an appropriate distraction in order for you to climb this thing unnoticed. Uh, and if you ever need to fly anywhere, I, I've been practicing uh, on my glider a little bit, and you can see that she just picks up, uh, looks like part of the communicator she disconnected and is now holding on to. And if Mr. Hopper contacts me, I should be able to hear him. That's awesome. And then Lowell is going to turn over to Shock and say, I'm not going to be able to talk you out of this, am I? Nope. Oh, then I'll help any way I can. But what's the plan? Misha and I will get into the exhibit through the front door, while Shock and Ellie sneak in with the help of the staff. I'll pick up the outfits at the coat check and meet Shock and Ellie in the basement to give them the outfits so they blend in with the rest of the party. I'll find a way to distract Lorraine so they can sneak into her dressing room and take the spiral staircase up into the auction house, which should be empty since the auction won't start for about an hour. The auction house is directly below Cubo's room, so Shock and Ellie will find a way to get him down, while Misha distracts the rest of the party on the main exhibit floor from any suspicious sounds they might hear from the closed auction house. I'll keep Lorraine from starting the auction for as long as I can, but once she leaves, I'll meet up with Misha on the main floor and we'll meet up with Shock and Ellie outside the party. That sound good to everyone?
yeah, let's do let's do a pool check. I think that's gonna be the easiest way of doing it. Now fuck it. You know what? It, does it really matter? Is there anyone at home who's keeping track of like, oh, here's my quest friend score sheet? Some of them might. Alright, fine, let's let's keep track. Alright, Hallie, give me your pools. I'm sorry. Hold on. I tried to copy and paste a thing, but it copied and pasted your apartment address for some reason. And I don't know why. Okay. I had to... I didn't read it out loud. Okay. I don't know why I did that. I haven't looked that up in so long. Um, okay. Okay, I fixed it. All right.